Hey, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another DMN one-on-one. And my guest this afternoon is Ben Kartsman, who's CEO of SpongeCell. Welcome. Thanks for having me. And I understand your offices are just a few short blocks away from ours. Yep, we're just up in, uh, just south of Times Square. Okay. Uh, tell me a bit about, for anyone who's listening in doesn't know about, about SpongeCell, tell us how it all started out, what challenges you were facing. Sure. So we, we, we started SpongeCell, um, very different business in, in 2006, and we morphed it very quickly uh, after some, some ups and downs in, in 2009 into um, you know, an ad tech business. And, and what we tried to solve was the early days of 2009 was, uh, was really the beginning of programmatic. So we noticed that there was just no creative solution built to scale inside of a programmatic infrastructure. And that was really the the primary challenge that we were trying to solve. So we felt like, you know, big expandable and custom ad units were just not really the the way of the future um, because we believe programmatic was was going to be what it ultimately has become. So we felt like we needed to build, someone needed to build a platform, uh, who better than us at the time, um, to really help marketers solve for these creative challenges to do some more high-impact work, but do it within a programmatic environment. So that was really, that's what we did from 2009 to 2012. And what started happening and, and what the, how the company has morphed is we started to see data playing a more central role uh, in what creatives could execute on. So as programmatic standards um, you know, got more uh, adopted uh, and then marketers started bringing their own uh, you know, DMPs to utilize some of their own first party data so they could unlock you know, a bunch of that CRM data and match it to uh, you know, customers uh, on the web, we saw that sort of next evolution of you know, what's commonly referred to now as, as dynamic creative starting to take shape. Yeah. So we kind of we, we we shifted the business into this this focus on data driven creative, taking data that our customers have um, and using that to decision creative. So following a lot of the infrastructure that had been put in place for media, and now trying to apply that same thing to creative. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, and it's music to my ears in a way because I think for the last couple of years I've been writing about the big advances which have been made in using data to identify audiences, identify customers, segment them, group them, so that you can market to them or advertise to them. And I just couldn't see the investment in creative, which was ever going to catch up with that. I mean, if you've got 100 audience segments and two pieces of creative, what use are the 100 audience segments? Is that how you see it? Absolutely. I mean, I've been in countless rooms with with potential customers who have said exactly that or an agency who's trying to help their customer kind of you know see why they should be doing dynamic creative and it's exactly that conversation right like we're doing all this great targeting we're finding people at different parts of the the consideration funnel and we're serving them all just the same (laughs) same offer creative (laughs) or we're serving them all some you know generic branding message yeah why would you serve someone who's at the point of purchase, ready to go, a generic branding message? And same for the inverse. So it's been a dialogue that you know, we've been having now, you know, going on the better part of you know, three or four years. Uh, and listen, there are some marketers that, are, that are, are more sophisticated and have more of that infrastructure in place. And there's other marketers that are still you know, really just getting that started, getting that going, still just onboarding a DMP or you know, switching to a new DMP because the original one they used you know, wasn't uh, meeting what their expectations were. So we're still in a very interesting time where, uh, yes, you have this segment of the market that is all in on creative. uh, And you have another segment of the market, dynamic creative, and another segment that's 
just kind of getting there. But if you look at the metrics, you know, 90 95% of marketers say that they will use as much or more data than they have in the past right. next year. So we know that that's there. We know that there's there's this there's this appetite. For, I don't know what the other five percent are doing that are not going to use data, <laughs> but we know that there's this appetite for uh, using more data. Now I think it, it's our job, certainly on the creative side of the fence, to um, educate marketers on what they could be doing with all of that infrastructure that they put in place. Right, it's only going to drive a need for more content and more personalized content. So let's get into the nuts and bolts of dynamic creative. I mean. In basic terms, what is it? What's the difference between regular old creative and dynamic creative? Sure. So dynamic creative is really using uh, intent, using data as a signal to make a decision around what we should put in front of someone. So in our world, whether it's a display ad or a video ad, what we're doing is, let's say the, let's say the, the marketer is using an agency to buy media on their behalf, and they're buying it through a DSP the DSP is going to feed back to us information around where that ad is being placed. So, and then at the same time, we're going to look, when, when our ad tag gets called and we get the request, we're also going to look at some other pieces of information. So they might pass information to us like the geo that the ad is being served in. They might pass to us um, you know, information about the user, maybe some demographic information. But then we might also look up and say, well, what's the weather in the market or what's the forecast going to be sure. this weekend? So we, what we start to do, and a lot of these are sort of preset strategies that a uh, customer uh, puts into place, but effectively what's happening there is based on the message that the marketer wants to put into, in, into the market in front of that consumer, and based on the data that is available to them at that time, a dynamic creative platform like Sponge Cells will decision that creative in real time. So you might have a retailer where there's products being fed in and we've got to make decisions based on our recommendation engine as to which products to show and which prices and that's all happening in real time. You might have more of a, a branding message that is centered around, um, you know, holidays are coming or it's, you know, and we know it's going to snow this weekend, so we're going to advertise, you know, shovels or scarves or hats, right? So it's really about the assembly of content into an ad unit based on input. Okay. It's really the overall context, isn't it? Both where the potential purchaser is in, in their journey, and literally where they are, what the weather's like, what they're doing, all, all that kind of context which tells you what you're going to send them. But here's the the bit which which I think is, is the challenge, and maybe you're going to tell me you've solved it. <laughs> uh, I assume you must have already, if you're doing this in real time, a library of creative content which you can pull from to produce the ad, which you're then going to suddenly put out there. Is that how it works? Yeah, so there is, a, there is, that's exactly right, there is going to be a library of, of content that we'll pull from, and that library is going to largely depend on, you know, who the marketer is and what assets they have available. Right. So, for example, take a retailer. We have retailers with millions of product SKUs in their catalog. So, when you take, when you take that, so for, I'll, I'll give you an example of a, we did this for a supermarket chain in, uh, in Australia. So, they had 2.75 uh, million loyalty card members. Each one of those members uh, correlated to a set of offers of which there were 25,000 weekly offers that rotated in you know, each week. And then that was spread across, um, I want to say, 100, 100, 175 stores across the country. So what you're doing there is you're taking all of these customers, all of these products, 
and then all these locations. And those are all inputs that are being fed into the creative at decision time. So when you think about like the, the possible number of combinations that we could create, it was like 100 quintillion possible <laughs> creative ad combinations, right. like, which is an absurd number. And there's, you could serve ads from here until infinity. <laughs> we wouldn't get there, right? But the point is that that's the power of what a platform like this can do. So it wasn't relying on someone to have to like stitch these things together in real time or even you know upload a bunch of assets to the library. It was more of like they had built a template, so they knew, or a couple of different templates, they knew the general framework and they set the general framework right. for what they wanted these ads, how they wanted these ads to render. And then we just pulled all that content in and then weekly as things rotated or as new customers were added, those databases were effectively you know updated. Yeah. And then anytime our ad server was was calling information to serve that ad, we were calling on new and fresh information in the form of you know customer information or uh, actual offers and prices. Okay, now I don't want to use a buzz phrase just for the sake of it, but it seems to me if you're talking about that kind of scale and in something like real time, you must have some machine learning going on in there. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And there's a whole, I mean, not only in terms of the assembly and what to assemble, but really the machine learning comes in when you get into the optimization side of it. Uh-huh. So what are the parts of, what are, what are the creatives that you want to optimize towards? What's performing the best? One of the things that we do uniquely uh, in the marketplace is we allow marketers to optimize towards multiple KPIs. Yeah. So most other platforms, you pick your KPI and machine learning will take over and just really optimize towards that. We actually allow marketers to pick different KPIs. So the first one might be conversion, and they might want to w- overweight that. But then the second might, one might be you know, engagement or viewability. And they, might, they still think that's important, but they would underweight it relative to conversion. So you know, and the machine knows, we're always optimizing towards conversions, but, but there are also secondary objectives that the algorithm needs to take into account. Okay. So that's really where it gets interesting in terms of where the machines start to be influential. Yeah, now, we've been talking very much in the context of ads, but it seems to me that a similar approach would work whatever channel you're interested in, whether it be email marketing, uh, optimizing web displays. I mean, do you do any of that, or is that just a kind of, it could be done? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and it's it's a. I think that's a convergence that we're going to see happen in the next couple of years. Yeah. We haven't really seen it yet. I mean, you see some email guys trying to get into display, um, but they kind of get. It's a whole different world. The number of emails that you send is tiny relative to the number of, of display ads that you could serve, okay. for, even for a sa- the same customer. Yeah. But on, I think on the on the converse, you're seeing the same thing. Guys that are doing video and doing display, wanting to get into email, excuse me, or on-site. So you're, as, the sort of, as the big platforms start to um, consolidate, I think you're going to start, you will start to see you know, one dynamic creative platform for, for all channels, right? You'll add okay. in social into that. You'll add native into that. You're, we're going to add OTT into that, right? So that is where I think we'll, we'll break down those traditional lines of um, you know, MarTech and AdTech or you know, yeah. own versus paid for or whatever the case is. So I think it, it hasn't happened yet, And but if I'm a marketer, that's what I want, right? I want one yeah. platform that can not only decision my creative across all these channels, but have the tools by which to serve across all these channels so that I know all the information that's coming back into me when I'm thinking about optimizations. I mean, that's kind of a holy grail for a marketer, right? right. To yeah. truly be able to take someone from that creative level all the way through the funnel, see what their journey was, and then apply those learnings to future customers. 
uh, I just think is, is, yep. is super exciting. Okay. No, no one's done it yet that I can see. A little further down the road. Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, which struck me as interesting, is the, IA, the IAB creating a dynamic creative standard. What's that all about? So that was really exciting for us and, and, and you know, the, you know, the folks that are in our space as well, because on one hand, there's, uh, there's, it adds a bit of legitimacy to you know, what we're all trying to accomplish. But on the other hand, it does set a standard that all marketers and agencies can follow now. And even for us as uh, partners to these marketers or agencies that we should follow. So it makes, it just sort of simplifies the ecosystem. Uh, and we think, it's, we think it's really, really important, right? It's, it's kind of like the, the role that the IAB has always played um, that has been really powerful is when they've set standards and then people can follow those standards. And those are the things that allow scale to come into a marketplace. Yeah. And we believe that setting this, that, listen, people were running Dynamic Creative way before this content standard was set. But now that it is set, our hope is that it makes it easier uh, just to standardize around uh, how to actually uh, deploy this type of technology. Right. Okay. And uh, the kind of clients you're serving, when you're talking about the scale involved here, it sounds like it's mainly B2C. So what, what kinds of uh, clients are you finding? Sure, yeah. So it is, it is, largely, it is largely B2C. Um, you know, we do really well in the, in the telco vertical. So think of the biggest cable, you know, company in the, in the U.S., the biggest wireless company in the U.S. Those are the kinds of customers that, that use our platform. Uh, also do well in retail. So a bunch of those examples that I've, I've mentioned, a lot of kind of household names uh, across the U.S. And, and in Europe as well. And not just the traditional retailers, but even just the, the, the online-only guys who okay. are, um, you know, just trying to take... We're, one of the places that we do really well is when there's a customer who wants transparency and control, not only of their media, but of their creative performance. Okay. So if you're a retailer, for example, and you're running with a traditional retargeter, it's black box. You really don't know where it's running, right? But if you, want, if you have a team of data scientists, you want to analyze and understand what's performing, how it's performing, we're a perfect complement to the stack that you're building. So odds are that kind of marketer has a, a DSP that they're using. They have their own DMP. They're maybe doing it through an agency or not. doesn't matter to us. We don't have to take a strong sort of preference there. We're happy to work with agencies who uh, come in and use the platform, and we do that every day of the week. And then we're also happy to work with marketers who have their own creative teams that want to come in and build strategies inside of our platform. So, but it's, I think what we're finding is naturally the folks that have more experience here that want to want more control naturally will get more transparency and we become a perfect partner for them. That's great. It's data-driven creative, but it doesn't take the human creativity out of it at all. Exactly. Exactly. And I think when we talk to creative agencies, they really see that as an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, and, and listen, three years ago when we were having these conversations with the creative agencies, they were doing a lot of this manual work, a lot of manual versioning of, of, of display ads. And as the market is sophisticated and the creative agencies themselves have seen, hey, if we can become the guys that are the masters at knowing how to use platforms like SpongeShell, not only can we be the ones to administer and run and deploy SpongeShell for our customers, but then we also free our resources up to do the more high-value stuff. So now they're getting all, like, that's the yeah. other side of this. Everything we've talked about for Dynamic Creative so far is using data and applying data to creative. But what about what comes back? What about mm -hmm. all of the learnings? And if I'm at a creative agency, I want to be the person looking at all that data, understanding what's working, and then going back to my, customer, my client and saying, hey, let's try, let's try these 
20 different messages across these 40 different segments in these 15 different conditions. And let's see what performs. Interesting. Yeah, cutting edge stuff. Love to hear about it. Ben, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.